So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and caused him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and of the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It was in her 2013 Christmas message that the Queen told us this. God's love is for everyone. There is no one beyond its reach. Question is, what do we think about that? Do we agree with what the Queen said? God's love is for everyone. There is no one beyond its reach. Or do we think that's a mere sentimental platitude for Christmas time? Or if it might be right, do we actually believe it? Do we believe that it's true for me that God's love is really and actually for somebody like me? And then, do we also believe that God's love is also for those very much not like me as well? And if that is right, what then do we do with that? Well, we're in the book of Acts. I hope you've still got that open on page 1107. At the beginning of this book in the New Testament, we have the risen Lord Jesus. He is setting the agenda for his kingdom. He tells us, and I've just put that on the sheet for you if you want to see it there, this kingdom is going to spread from Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria and to the end of the earth. So do you see what in effect Jesus is saying there? Jesus is saying, God's love is for everyone. There is no one beyond its reach. And so we read in Acts and we come to Acts 10, which we've just heard. And this is a key moment in the spread of the message of the kingdom. We're in a place called Caesarea. This is right at the edge of Israel by the sea. And we find a man named Cornelius. He was a high-ranking Gentile, that is not Jewish, officer, a military officer. Now, we didn't hear, have read the first half of Acts 10, but it is action-packed. You can look at it later. In those few verses, an angel appears. There are visions. There's a personalized message from the Spirit of God. So there's all this action, and we wonder, what is this building towards? But then the answer might surprise us. Turns out that all this activity is so that Peter, the disciple of Jesus, also called an apostle, and Cornelius 
our Gentile centurion. The whole purpose of all of this is that those two would meet. And in particular, all so that Cornelius would hear what Peter has to say. Now again, we might have made, well, surely the angel who appeared to Cornelius could have told Cornelius himself. But no, it had to come from Peter, the apostle himself. So you can see the scene is set, the tension has been racked up. What is it that Peter has to say to Cornelius that is so important? Clearly, Cornelius needs to listen. And Luke has recorded this because so do we. What has to be said? So let's have a look, starting in chapter 10, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. That is, Peter's got it. God's love is for everyone. There is no one beyond its reach. And next week, do come back, we're going to think a little bit more about the change in Peter that got him to this realization. But for now, let's keep listening in to what Peter has to say. So in verse 36, he begins, as for the word. So here it comes. Here comes the message that, if you like, God has worked so hard to get these men together. It's what we've been waiting for what Cornelius, what all the world needs to hear. Verse 36 goes on, as for the word that he sent to Israel. Now that's a surprise, to Israel, because we know Cornelius wasn't from Israel. He wasn't a Jew, but still Peter starts with that same message that we've seen in the rest of Acts that God sent to Israel. Because the point is, God's message to Israel wasn't just for Israel. It was for all. And verse 86 then, Peter now summarizes the message. It is preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Here is God's message to all the world. Jesus Christ. No wonder, as we heard earlier, the queen said to the preacher, don't talk about her. That's not the message. Talk about Jesus Christ. Of course, many would disagree with this, they would quite quickly think and maybe say, well, yeah, okay, but Jesus, not for me. To put it bluntly, they don't think they need Jesus. He's not the one that's going to help them in life. So we're reading this. How can it be that Jesus Christ is God's message to all the world? And that's what Peter's going to show us. He's going to show us three things about Jesus, which mean he really is for all the world. The first, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. There's irony here in our Bibles in verse 36 that our version, do you see, puts Jesus is Lord in brackets. <laughs> that is the heart of the message in those brackets. That, if you like, is a three-word summary of the message from God to the world. Jesus is Lord. If you want four words, Jesus Christ is Lord. Or let's stretch it to six words. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That is God's message to all the world. But what does that mean? Maybe Cornelius was thinking that. Well, let's therefore listen as Peter goes on to explain and fill out on that headline message. Look down to verse 37. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
So notice what Peter highlights again to Cornelius, the Gentile. What happened in Israel, in Galilee in the north, and then in Judea around Jerusalem? Notice this message. It's not a big theological, philosophical reflection. It's all about what took place in a particular place at a particular time, because above all, it's about this particular person. Now, over the last few days, there have been countless articles and programs highlighting significant events in the Queen's life. It's very poignant, isn't it, how that day in 1952, she was staying at that game lodge in Kenya. News came through that her father had died, and therefore, from that moment, she was now Queen. Notice here, as Peter summarizes Jesus' life, would you have highlighted Jesus' baptism? Well, notice why. On that occasion, Peter says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, that word anointing is significant. It means Jesus is the anointed one, or you could say Messiah or Christ. Peter is claiming that this is the moment Jesus was anointed as king. Well, which king? Well, in particular, God had promised for centuries throughout the Old Testament scriptures that one day, God would send his king into the world to put right what had gone so wrong, to rescue, to rule his people. And the point is, that moment has now come. And that's why Peter then briefly describes Jesus' life. It shows this is the king. Notice what Peter says. He went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What a difference Jesus made in his short life. Remember the lame got up on their feet and walked. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, the multitudes were fed. Those oppressed by evil spirits were freed. Such good done by Jesus. And with that, all those actions made plain who he must be. The anointed one, the Christ, God's king. Now, over on social media over the last few days, many have reposted the video of the former Royal Protection Officer, Dick Gaffin. I wonder if you've seen it. He recounts the story of how he and the Queen once went on a walk near her Balmoral estate in Scotland. And a couple of American tourists came by and they all got talking. And these Americans did not realize in whose presence they were. In fact, in the chit-chat, they asked this lady who they just met to be polite, oh, where do you live? She replied, well, I live in London, but I've got a holiday home <laughs> just the other side of the hills. I've been coming up here ever since I was a little girl. Oh, this American, you know, worked this out, went on to say, well, you must then have met the Queen. To which she responded, well, I haven't, but Dick here meets her regularly. Quick as a flash, apparently, this American put his arm around the royal protection officer, gave his camera to the queen, and said, would you mind? Of course she didn't. She took the photo. She didn't let on. And it waved goodbye to her American friends. Can you imagine? They were in the very presence of the queen, but unaware of her true identity. 
And likewise, many people today have some awareness maybe of Jesus Christ. They've sort of met him, if you like, maybe in school assemblies, maybe they have Christian friends, maybe they've been to church, and maybe they even like him, Jesus. They might even say he's a source of spiritual inspiration, and yet they've missed who he is. That his life, his actions, his words show us he must be the king, God's king. Peter then gives us final, conclusive, definitive proof of this from verse 40. God raised him on the third day and caused him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who'd been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. We've heard recently how Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor was not born to be queen because at that point, her father was not then king or due to be king. But of course, in time, she did come to be queen. And we could be sure of this, can't we? Some people alive today remember her coronation in June 1953. The rest of us can see the TV footage. The queen really was queen. Now, resurrection from the dead is an astonishing claim. But again, there are witnesses. Peter himself is telling us that he was one of them. So if you like, if the baptism was Jesus' anointing as king, his resurrection and ascension are his ultimate coronation as that king. King, not of a mere nation or even a commonwealth, but of all heaven and earth, ruler of every nation and of every person within them. So now there can be no doubt at all. The message is Jesus Christ is alive today and he is Lord of all. Well, from that follows our second truth that Peter wants us to grasp, which is that Jesus is judge of all. The French president, Emmanuel Macron, released a moving statement this week following the death of the Queen. In that, he commented that she represented a sense of eternity. Now, I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that. Maybe Macron himself doesn't quite know, but just maybe the Queen's manner suggested there is more. There are things that really matter that we want to hold on to, even that there will be lasting effects from the way that people choose to live now. Well, look down at verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Well, those are sobering words. That the Jesus who is alive today is coming one day and all people will stand before him. Not just Israel, not just the religious, not only those who will be alive on that day, not only those who are into Christian things, everyone, including those today who don't give Jesus a second thought, those who think he's irrelevant, even those who mock and laugh at poor little Christians, even around the world, persecute them. Every single person who's ever lived will stand there before the one who is truly Lord of all. In Matthew's Gospel account, there he records many of the words of Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus himself tells us that of those who will stand before him on that day, 
To some he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. But then to others he will say these wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. According to Jesus, our eternal destiny then depends on our response to Jesus now. I hope you're thinking, who dares to say things like this? To make such claims all about himself? Only a madman, surely. Or one who truly is Lord of all and judge of all. Well, if you're not sure whether you can trust Jesus on this, Matthew's Gospel is the place to look. There are a few dotted around on the chairs. If there's one near you and you haven't got one at home, please take it, read it for yourself, think these things through. Uh, We'd love to help you. You could join us here on Tuesday evenings. There'll be others here who aren't sure about these things. We'll go through Matthew's Gospel. We'll listen to Jesus, ask your questions and decide for yourselves. Look at what Jesus did. Listen to what he said. Did he rise from the dead? Look at this historical eyewitness evidence for yourself. Yes, I know London life is very busy, but nothing matters more than our response to Jesus. Did you notice how in this verse we've just read, Jesus himself wants you and me to take this very seriously. Listen again to verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Just just look at that verse. It seems that Jesus highlighted this truth in particular to Peter and said something along the lines of, Peter, make sure you tell the world about this. Jesus wants the world to know there will be a judgment with him as judge. And that is because this is actually good news. It's part of this good news. What wonderful relief. There will be justice in the end. Wickedness will be held to account. But of course, as we hear this, we can't help but think of the personal implications. Because for anyone with the least amount of self-awareness, that notion that every thought, word, and deed of mine being held to account, well, that is sobering, even alarming. So the question is, on the day when we meet Jesus the judge, how will we fare? Well, thankfully, Jesus, there's more to say. Peter hasn't finished yet. More to the message. Jesus is Lord of all. He's judge of all. Jesus brings forgiveness to all who believe. Now, the former Prime Minister, Tony Blair, in his memoirs, recounts when he and his wife, Cherie, were invited to a barbecue at Balmoral. He tells of how stunned he was. After the food was finished and everyone was sitting back contentedly, it was the Queen herself who stood up, came round, collected the dirty plates and carried them to the sink to wash up. Now, such behavior may not be what you or I would have expected of that queen. Well, maybe that's because we didn't know the queen that well, the way her desires to serve others worked out in such practical ways. I wonder, did you notice, as we went through Peter's summary of Jesus' life, we did leave out one verse, verse 39. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. 
And as people consider Jesus, this is what puzzles many. If Jesus really was God's king, Lord of all, why would he die such an agonizing, humiliating death? Well, to begin to answer that, look back again to Peter's headline statement in verse 36. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So the good news for the world is about a person, Jesus Christ, and the peace that he can bring. That is because we need that, the world needs that more than anything else. Because by default, each of us, our world, we are at war with our maker. Now, of course, we deny that, we resist it. We might appear on the surface to be very civilized, respected. We even come to church. But all the time, our hearts, by nature, well, are resisting our creator's right rule over us. We want to be in charge. We've made our own claim for independence. No wonder the world is in a mess. And what's more, this attempt is, of course, futile. Because as we've heard, we will be held to account. Justice will be done. But that means what we need now is to be at peace with God. But how? We can't do it. So what? Verse 43. To Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Notice that the message of the whole Bible, prophets, Old Testament, New Testament, the apostles, there is forgiveness on offer in this one place, in this one person, and in what he did through his death on the cross. It turns out one person who had grasped this was the Queen. In her 2011 Christmas message, she observed that we need saving from ourselves, which is putting it mildly. But then she went on to say that God, in response to our behavior, quote, sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a savior with power to forgive. The Queen had got it. Jesus does indeed have power to forgive because of that death on the cross. On that cross, Jesus died the death that sinners like us deserve. Our sins and the judgment that should follow was dealt with once and for all. Full and free forgiveness on offer to anyone. And so it is now that all who come to Jesus the Lord will find this forgiveness we can then look forward to the future with confidence. We will stand before Jesus the judge one day, but there we will see our saviour, the one who will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. 2018, another Christmas message. She said this, quote, I believe that Jesus' message of peace on earth and goodwill to all is never out of date. It can be heeded by everyone. It's needed as much as ever. Indeed. As the Queen herself had said, God's love is for everyone. There is no one beyond its reach. I'll lead us in a prayer. 
And so, our Father, we do praise you for your love for the world revealed so clearly in giving your Son to death on a cross. We do thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Thank you that he brings forgiveness and peace with you. Thank you that no one is beyond its reach. Amen.